So, uh, uh, hi, it's Graham here. Sorry to interrupt your podcast listening like this, but uh, I wondered if you could do us a little favour. I haven't told Carol I'm going to do this, and frankly, I'm not sure she's going to find out. Let's maybe keep it that way, shall we? Uh, I don't think she listens to the podcast, so she won't hear that I've tacked this on to the beginning. But the European Security Blogger Awards, they're about to happen, and Smashing Security has been nominated in a couple of categories. Huzzah, huzzah! You can vote in the awards for your favourite security blogs and security podcasts, hint, hint, but you've only got a few days before the voting closes. So do it today. Do it now. Hit pause. Oh, not before I've told you the URL. It's smashingsecurity.com slash vote. That will redirect you through magic to the voting form. And, well, hey, made the best podcast co-hosted for the last six or so years by a Brit and a Canadian win. Um, yeah, over to you. Smashingsecurity.com slash vote. Thank you very much. We love you all, uh, at least the people who vote for us. Uh, but for now, back to your normal service. And uh, sorry about this interruption. Hello, and today's episode of Smashing Security is supported in part by NetSparker. They are the web application and security scanner that can automatically find security flaws in your website and fix them before hackers can exploit them. If you want to automatically check your web applications for cross-site scripting, SQL injection, and other vulnerabilities and code and errors that can leave you and your business exposed to malicious hackers, check out NetSparker. Try it out now by downloading the demo from www.netsparker.com slash smashing. And thanks to NetSparker for supporting the show. Smashing Security, Episode 52. Facebook tackles vengeful scumbags and a sex toy privacy boob with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Episode 2 of Carol's Agony Corner. Uh, the regular... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Carol. Hi well, do, there. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We'll do it again sometime. We've had so much feedback saying it was fun. We'll do it again, but maybe not every week. It's a lot of work. I had people coming up to me in the street saying, um, about that cat with their sharing their opinions of the cat. And it's like people who I didn't even know listen to the podcast, but clearly do. But that was the one thing which really got them interested. Was if you don't know what we're talking the, about, go listen to episode 51. That's right. And we're also joined this week, um, by the way, it's Smashing Security, uh, episode 52, not, actually. And it's not our one year anniversary because there were weeks when we did two episodes. Ah, oh, do you remember those halcyon days when we were that key and that we'd do lots of episodes <laughs> per week? Um, yes, but uh, we'll be coming up to our birthday, won't we? Just before Christmas, I think it yes. is. Yes. Uh, That'd be fantastic. And we are joined this week by a returning special guest, Mr. John Hawes. Hello, John. How are you? Hello, hello. I'm very well. Thank you. Yay. Good to have you here, John. And as always, uh, this week, there's been a lot going on, hasn't there, in the world of computer security in yes. the last week. So we have picked a few of the topics, things which have caught our interest, which we will chat about right now. And um, the first thing I wanted to talk about was Facebook and revenge porn. Um, actually, I don't want to talk about revenge porn because I, I really dislike that phrase, revenge porn. Oh, I'm glad you just said that because I was about to take yeah. uh, offence. <laughs> it's an awful term. It's, it's pretty unpleasant. It's a bit like when people talk about child porn. And yeah. I think, well, this isn't actually porn. This is child abuse. Yeah. And um, similarly with revenge porn, I don't know what it should be called. Maybe. I mean, as a big fan of porn, right, you, uh, <laughs> you definitely don't want it to be sullied in any way. 
exactly. Is what you're saying. Yeah, I'd, I'd hate I'd hate porn to be soiled in this way. Keep the porn clean. Because, <laughs> but I think I think instead of revenge porn, we should call it sort of I don't know image intimidation or image based abuse or something like that. We need some phrase. But of course, the newspapers love the phrase revenge porn. So that's the sort of thing you may have seen in the press. And um, it's a ghastly phenomenon. We all know what it is. It's a serious problem. Oh, hey, hey! I think you should explain what it is, just in oh, case. Okay. Um, yeah. So what this is, is where somebody has got some photographs or video content of you of an intimate nature. Maybe they hacked it and stole it from your computer, or maybe you shared it with them because you were in an intimate relationship with them, which then went sour. And then people threaten, maybe blackmail you or just because they don't like you anymore, to post it all over social media and send it to all of your friends and your parents and your employees. And it's just, you know. It's horrible. Okay. How, yeah. how, how horrible. And and this is something which obviously didn't exist in yesteryear. The internet has made this so much easier and social networks have made it so much simpler for someone in just a rage-fueled moment to share those sort of images yeah. with everybody who you know. And um, ghastly. And as a consequence, people have obviously been very traumatised. And in the worst cases, people have uh, even committed suicide. Um, because the problem is, is how do you stop the pictures, right? From from someone else posting them? How how does a, a social network actually well, find it yeah. and get rid of yeah. them? Well, yeah. I mean, if you were to go to the, the social network, how are they going to stop it? And meanwhile, everybody at your school, for instance, has seen these photos and you feel yeah. like you can't go there anymore. Horrible, horrible thing. Well, Facebook um, is one company which is trying to take a stand against this. For some time, you've been able to report image-based abuse on Facebook. And we'll put a link in the show notes where you can read more about that. If you spot some images of you or video of you, um, which shouldn't be being shared. So yeah, you have to find it and then send a link, I guess. Exactly. And but I, I would imagine in many cases when it is being shared with people you know, you do get to yeah, you find get a heads out. Up. <laughs> you get a heads up pretty quickly, I bet. Yeah. Someone's going to say, uh, I think you should, you know, know about this. Um, But what Facebook's now trying to do is it's trying to be a bit more proactive about it. And so they're running a small test in Australia. And this is what got everyone's attention in the press. Um, where And some of the press presented this as upload all your naked photos to Facebook. Um, And then they will try and prevent them from being posted and shared anywhere on Facebook Messenger and Instagram. And understandably, a lot of people got pretty irate about that and so what are you talking about mark zuckerberg what a perv um you know that people might want to do those sort of things i I do have a problem with this so um, i'm gonna i think you should you know do your do your bit and then uh we'll discuss it yeah okay so what they've i mean it's a difficult problem to solve isn't it but clearly facebook already has systems in place to detect uh, for instance, child sexual abuse images, right? Because they don't want people uploading that sort of thing and, and sharing them on the network. And so what they have is a, a database of fingerprints or checksums, if you like, um, which can identify offending images and mm. videos. Uh, and they, they store that database. So they don't store the images. What they do is that they have a database of checksums and fingerprints, I think would be the, probably the best way to describe them. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to expand that and say, look, maybe we can use this as well against image-based abuse against adults too. So what they're saying is if you have an image uh, or if you have videos or if you believe that someone is going to start sharing images of you like this, then there's a process you can go through to basically tip us off and for us to keep an eye open and to try and prevent it from happening. So, for example, if a, a specific image is sent of someone, yes, you would be having to look for that specific image online. 
it wouldn't be let's send us pictures of you and any picture that uh, of you that we feel has too mm. much skin <laughs> oh no 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 so it's 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 not for instance using facebook facial recognition as right. far as i'm aware and, or something like that it so it's not asking you hey upload your holiday snaps or you know what yeah. when you were out at, on the club the other night it's nothing like that that's what i thought it was going to be be that you would send pictures of your armpit and say if you see this armpit <laughs> in any pictures don't share them John, with I think we could identify your armpit. <laughs> well, probably, yeah. Without any sophisticated technology. Um, <laughs> but, but yes, this is, this is based on specific images or the hashes it, of specific it, images. Yes, basically. although I've heard it's not actually a sort of typical cryptographic checksum of an image. Because, of course, images can be resized. Images can mm-hmm. be altered. Um, Stick a little uh, logo in the corner or something. Or, or put some message on or, you know, had some sort of headline saying, hey, look at Sheila or something like that, which would change the contents of the image. So what they're trying to do is that they're, they're using some smarter algorithms, apparently, to try and identify, I guess, the body or the shape or something. So even if it's resized and altered in different fashions, they can still detect it and intercept it and prevent it from being shared. So I think the the intention is very good. But here's where I've got a few problems. All right. One, you have to make sure you trust Facebook and Facebook is going to do what it says it's going to do. And it's going to make sure that this doesn't get out in any way. Now, I realize they're hashing it and they're using all kinds of algorithms. However, you are sending them a nude pic of you, one that you do not want online, one well, that you want removed do from you online. actually have to send them the pic? Can you not just do the hashing yourself and send them the hashes? So how it works is is like this. Right now, as I said, the scheme has only been running in Australia. And mm-hmm. you can go to the eSafety Commissioner's official website, so not a Facebook website, and complete an online form. And that's say, an Australian um, kind of authority. Yes, exactly. Okay, right, right, exactly. right. You can complete the form, and that gives you instructions. Um, and what it's saying is that you have to send the image to yourself – on Facebook Messenger. So you don't send it to any other Facebook users. The eSafety Commissioner, which is the place where you've, you've entered this form, they notify Facebook about what has happened, but they don't get to see the image. Okay. Facebook gets to see the, uh, gets the notification and a member of Facebook's team, and they describe it as a specially trained representative who will review the image, create the fingerprint, um, which creates the human unreadable fingerprint of it. And they store that fingerprint, that hash. They don't store the photograph to prevent anyone else uh, from viewing it. And that obviously prevents, in future, anyone else uploading the photograph to the service. Okay, I got you. But I'm with John on this. I think, why does a human have to do create the fingerprint? Why couldn't it be created automatically at your end? Well, it's, it sounds like there's some kind of special skill required, I guess, Well, drawing an outline I- around the relevant part of the person or something. <laughs> well, who knows? I mean, we don't have details of exactly that. It may be complicated. And of course, Facebook isn't in the in the business normally of creating programs, is it? It, it creates a website, so that may not be mm. their expertise. Um, it may be something which they want to regularly update, the algorithms and so forth. And at the moment, this is something which is just being done as a trial. So maybe if they decide, you know, this worked really well, and we want to do more of this, maybe we want to roll mm-hmm. it out over the rest of the world. Maybe in future, there will be something like that, which could actually be built yeah. into the software. Who knows? Uh, it's possible. But right now, that isn't happening. And of course, there is the potential that a Facebook employee might see something, which you don't want to see. But then 
I think if you find yourself in that desperate situation where all of your schoolmates or your family or whoever might get to see things which you don't want them to see, then you may think, I don't care if some anonymous Facebook employee who doesn't know me gets to see this. You know, it's like, yeah, it's not pleasant, but then you're not in a nice yeah. situation anyway. Yeah. Well, putting in that that human element makes it much less scalable as well. That's that's another issue to think about. That I don't know how, how yeah. big a thing this is, but if it's affecting tens of thousands of people. Yeah. And how long does it take for each specially trained representative to deal with each image? Mm. Who knows? I mean, Facebook, we know in the past when they've had people who have been reviewing controversial content sometimes they've made bad decisions um and obviously there is an enormous amount of that kind of policing and moderation which is going on on facebook and it, it often has been less than satisfactory i think yeah i've read a few articles on this not in detail right but kind of scanned a few articles and i don't think i got a proper understanding of what was going on so you are not having to upload any picture other than the one that's currently on Facebook doing the rounds that you want removed. Or the one which you're worried might be distributed Or the on one Facebook. that you might, yeah, yeah. So you're saying, watch out for this. And even then, you are sending it via Facebook Messenger to yourself. Right, right. You're not posting it, posting it to your yeah, wall. Yeah, you don't, you're not yeah. putting it up on your timeline or yeah. something like that. Yeah, make sure... <laughs> Yeah, you can see someone screwing that one up. And I think there's been lots of sort of joke. I mean, you know, I am not the biggest fan of Facebook, right? And I, I'd be the first to slag them off normally. But I actually think, although some have raised their eyebrows about this, I think actually this is probably, you know, we should give them some credit for at least trying to do something about a serious problem which has affected well, many people. Yeah, well, they should do something about it. I mean, it's freaking illegal. It's just, it's just the scale of it. That's the problem. There's so much stuff on Facebook. There's no possible way that anybody can control it. Wouldn't all. it be great if in order to use Facebook, you actually had to have a hardware plug-in? So you had to have something which was plugged into your computer and maybe it would be like a big boxing glove which would extend out at you. So anytime you were a bit of a twit <laughs> online or just some vile toe rag, it went into your face and gave you a good punch on the nose. That, I think, is what computers are missing right now. And maybe that would solve it, Graham. this problem. Hey, not just on the nose. Maybe it could punch you somewhere else as well. The back of the head. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, what have you got for us this week? So I'm, I'm going to be staying in the... Uh, Sexual area. I know that's a <laughs> no, no. common common theme of this show. Uh, why am I not surprised for you, John? We're like, yeah, we're scraping the barrel now. Well, no, it's it's a it's a fairly big story this okay. week, and it's yet another privacy boob in the <laughs> oh, the intimate tech industry. You had to really, didn't I? So uh, a company called L Lovents. I think We've talked about them before. Yes. Well, yes. yes I'll come to that. So okay. they're, they're a Hong Kong-based maker of what they call wearable toys. All right. Okay. They also very fond of the term teledildonics, obviously, who isn't? <laughs> and they use it a lot on their website. So they've admitted well, what they call a minor bug in their Android app, which basically resulted in sound recordings being captured while the app was in use and stored on your phone's local storage. You are kidding so, whoa, 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 whoa. me. Sorry, what kind of app is this, John? So it's a it's a basically a remote control app for their full range of wearable toys. So this is a sex thing, right? So it's to, yeah, it's basically to allow you to control your vibrator or whatever it is you're using. I think the sound 
portion of it is mainly so that you can you can time the vibration to go along with whatever music you're listening to what? or something like that. Apparently, I don't know. It's not something I've tried out myself. Well, like <laughs> the 1812 Overture, something like that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that would work nicely. <laughs> so I think you can connect kind of two two copies of the app so someone else in a different room or time zone can interact with your machine right and they were recording the yeah so this guy some guy on basically on reddit where everything comes from (laughs) uh by the nickname of thai doctor Uh so he was he was cleaning up his phone and he stumbled across this audio file that he hadn't expected to be there and it turned out that it was a, a six minute recording of his session using the Lovent's remote app. No way. Six minutes, eh? <laughs> <laughs> and he calls himself a doctor. You'd think he'd... <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure uh, Reddit oh, nicknames are, they are not? official okay, medical right. titles. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently it was it's a, a cache file that the app uses to store the sound that it's, it needs to, to monitor to make use of the sound features, and it was supposed to be deleted at the end of the session. But this bug meant that it wasn't actually this deleted. tiny bug, minor bug. They called minor it minor bug, minor Quote bug. Unquote, yes, right. Well, why? But why was it storing the audio anyway? I don't understand that. Why? I can understand maybe if it wanted maybe for repeat performances. <laughs> that was good. That was a great one. I- Let's reminisce. Here we are listening to classic gold well, yeah. tunes from the seventies and eighties. Let's. That let's- could easily be. That could easily be a feature. You know, if you if you set it up to listen to to the radio and a particular song has come on and you thought, oh, actually, I quite like that rhythm. Can I use that again sometime? You need it to have, have recorded the last six minutes or whatever. I think so go can, and find the song and recycle. You know. Well, yeah, that would be it. Yeah. Wow. So people must have been really unhappy. That is. Well, pretty- actually, not that much. So, uh, <laughs> oh, really? This is their claim to not, fame? Well, first of all, it's not the first time this, as you mentioned, Lovence has been in the news yeah. for poor security. It was only about a month ago. Their Hush, it was called, a Bluetooth controlled uh, bottom pleasuring devices. <laughs> so they were using oh. the um, Bluetooth low energy, which is very, yeah. very cheap and efficient but also very poor security so it was pretty easy for anybody that was in the vicinity yep. to hijack the we talked about this as well yeah yeah, i'm sure you did yeah right up your alley <laughs> so to speak and um and there's also there's another incident uh was this back in august uh a canadian firm who make a we vibe device yeah they had to pay out four million dollars in a to settle a class, class action lawsuit so they're Toys and apps were gathering too much sensitive data, oh. but they were actually sending feedback to the developers. This is WeVibe, which included the temperature levels and vibration intensity, yeah. and also they similarly had they were using Bluetooth and were very easy to hijack by anyone nearby. So Lovents, this particular case is about. So they've said that no data was being sent to their servers. Everything sent between the users is peer-to-peer is encrypted in transit um, and they did say yes the cache file is required for the sound feature to operate <laughs> and they've issued an update obviously um, they're actually i had a look at their website they have some pretty reasonable privacy advice and they mentioned the encryption <laughs> they mentioned not storing things centrally but they also know it would be nearly impossible for someone to obtain any of the content that's happening on our platform so it's nearly, nearly very important <laughs> well at least they're honest yeah. yeah. So I also I looked on the Google Play Store and there, there yes. was indeed a, uh, an update yesterday. 
And there's also several commenters who've noted the uh, sound recording issue. But Mm -hmm. they're not all too concerned. One review actually says, apparently this app records sound when in use. Creepy. But he still gave it three stars. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great. um, yeah. There's a general problem here, though, isn't there? I mean, regardless, I mean, okay, this is a a sex toy or whatever. But um, with any app... You have to be very careful because you don't necessarily know either what it's doing or what it might be storing and how securely it's mm-hmm. keeping the information as well. Yeah. It'd be and, smarter to be English about it and just say nothing during the yeah, experience. If, I, I would say if you've, given, <laughs> if you've given an app the permission to use the microphone on your phone, you kind of have to assume that it's listening and that yeah. probably that it's sending that sound somewhere else or at least doing some kind of processing with the sound. And the same, same goes for these... Speakers that you speak back to. Everyone would be wise to go to their phones right now and just check the microphone setting to see what apps have access to your microphone and toggle off those that you would prefer not to have to listen to all the time. Yeah. And just be aware that, you know, if, if you're near one of these microphones, even the, you know, Amazon Echo things or whatever, they're listening. There's, you're not in private. And even if you've just got a phone in your pocket, you're not in private. Well done, Kroll, for using the word toggle, which is one of the least sexy words <laughs> uh, in the English language. I, I, I certainly like appreciate that. I love the that. word toggle. No, well, I love it as well, but not in a sexual way. It's quite well, cuddly. It's, it just reminds me of Paddington <laughs> Bear. Yeah, well, some some people find that. Yeah, perverts love that. Perverts, <laughs> the perverts community. Don't talk about pervertism. We the new Paddington Bear movie is about to come out or is out. You know, we might be taking my kid to go mm-hmm. and see it. I don't want to think about things like that. Okay. Well, <laughs> too late. Watch out for people engaging in discreet public play. <laughs> okay. That's, that's, that's one of the one of the features of the uh, Love Ents range. They facilitate discreet public play. The, actually, the guy on Reddit yeah. who uh, brought it up, he, he said he was playing pool in a bar when the recording was made. <gasps> oh, Not be careful really, with uh, that pool stick. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh so it allows men to multitask. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> ah, yes. God. Mm-hmm. Maybe something good will come out of all this. Carol, I'm hoping you can uh, raise the tone well, um, I with a your little, topic. A little. It's unlikely. A little. So I'd like to tell the story of how a Minnesotan man named John Kelsey Gamel became known Kelsey as... Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> as John Kelsey Gamel. Oh, okay. Yeah. Became known as... Okay, cover your ears, kids. Mr. Cunningus. Oh, there we go. Oh, my... What? I'm there sorry. The and... Okay. And was arrested by the FBI for launching multiple distributed denial of service attacks on companies, including his former employer, Washburn Computer Group. So let me get started at the beginning. The FBI got wind of something fishy going on when Washburn Computer Group, Gamel's former employer, reported getting hit by numerous DDoS attacks on their websites between July 2015 and September 2016. Right, so they called the FBI and they're saying, "Look, we're getting hit all the time. Our websites keep going down. Our websites keep going down. This is a problem." <laughs> right, right. And um, during this time, Washburn, the company, also received emails mocking the company's ongoing IT issues. Now, the sender of these mocking emails. Um, had created Google and Yahoo accounts. And rather than use an anonymous name, he actually used the name of another employee at Washburn. So (laughs) the FBI, so this is how it all works. The FBI subpoenaed Google and Yahoo for the detailed logs of these email accounts. 
And guess what? They found a direct link to Gamel's CenturyLink IP address and IPVanish VPN service. <laughs> so basically, they got a tie between Gamel and, um, and these emails that were being sent mocking them for their uh, ongoing IT issues. Now, let's just back up a bit. So Gamal used to work at this company, and then he left and set up his own kind of soldering uh, training company, and I think was looking to try and get a deal to kind of do training for, the, for, for Washburn, and it all fell flat. There are soldering training companies. <laughs> Apparently there is. Well, someone has to teach people how to solder. Yeah, they, they don't learn your own. I mean, people can probably learn off Google, but, you know, mm, why not get okay. hands-on? All right, I'm surprised. So he, he, so he had a motive, is what I'm saying. He was, he was, sounds like he was pissed off that the deal between them didn't work after he set up his own company. So the FBI now have a probable cause to subpoena Google for Gamel's official Gmail address. And they get the information and they find some treasure, including registration emails and pro-account purchases for a number of DDoS booter services, such as C-Stress and BooterBox and VDOS. Now, booter services are like this kind of rent a DDoS web attack. It's like a, a DDoS for hire services. Now, this is where uh, Gamel gets extremely unlucky. Uh, one of the DDoS booter services Gamel registered with, so VDOS, suffered a cyber breach last summer, in the summer of 2016. And a security researcher, presumably working on cleaning up the VDOS incident, handed over all the VDOS logs to the FBI. Oh, nice. So when the FBI saw VDOS mentioned in Gamel's official Google email communications, they probably had this big light bulb moment, <laughs> found the old VDOS logs and performed the art of cross-referencing. And here the FBI were able to unveil that Gamel was likely to be behind a load of DDoS attacks on servers belonging to people like, or to companies like Wells Fargo, JP Morgan Chase, and the one he might regret most, Minnesota Digital Branch. Oops. Yeah. Oh, the court. Yep. <laughs> His local court. Oh, whoops. Um, and can you guess? Can you guess what one of his usernames on the VDOS site was? I'd rather not. <laughs> yeah, because it is a bit adult. It is a bit adult. Was it Senor Kenelix again? <laughs> so the email logs even showed that Gamble sent a congratulatory email to VDOS to tell them that their service had outperformed his expectations. It starts with, dear colleagues, this is Mr. Kenelix. You underestimate your capabilities. And he ends with, we will do much business. Thank you for your outstanding product, smile emoji. We are Anonymous USA. Did he also give them three stars like the guy on the Google Play? <laughs> <laughs> he sounds like that email. Yeah, you know, he sounds like this. By the way, this story came from Bleeping Computer and there's a load more information there. So I suggest anyone interested in the story, go take a read. It's a really good story. Um, so it's true that in, apparently in a number of his emails, he Gamble has claimed to be a member of Anonymous, the Hacker Collective. Our Mr. Connolly was arraigned in a Minnesota court this week. Washburn said it suffered losses of over $15,000, which I was surprised that there was a zero missing, but there- Maybe it does, you don't make that much money, you know, yeah, offering they, soldering training. Well, maybe. They, they do, I think, point of service uh, repairs. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, I see. Yeah. They do all, oh, I see. I yeah, yeah. Anyway, so- not entirely so, through the website, I guess. <laughs> Get this. According to local press, Gamel faces between 15 and 17 years in prison for his little, uh, for his little revengeful attack. Well, that's actually, that's quite reasonable for America. It's usually sort of 175 years, isn't it? 
or I, three yeah. three lifetimes to run consecutively. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it goes to show that um, revenge is it's not, doesn't always pay off uh, in any good way. Mm-hmm. Well, does it ever really pay off? I don't think revenge, revenge, a, revenge I mean, is never a good thing. I, I can understand people feeling really miffed and feeling they've been hard done by by someone they used to work and the rest of it. And you're just like, oh, I want to get my own back. But do you ever really get that? Oh, well, I'm very satisfied with my revenge. I'll now move on with my life. I think exactly. just, it, it's, it's just... Yeah. yeah. Take a deep breath, folks. Yeah. Take a deep breath and uh, go on a holiday. Go get a massage. Get yeah. over it. <laughs> All right. It's time for our favorite part of the show, isn't it? Our sponsors. Are you worried that your website might be the back door through which hackers can access your information and steal data? Well, if so, you'll be interested in our sponsor today. NetSparker is a web application security scanner. It can automatically find the flaws in your website security and fix them before hackers can exploit them. You can try it out right now. Download a demo from www.netsparker.com slash smashing. On with the show. And we're now at that part of the show we like to call Pick of the Week. Ah, Pick of the Week. John. Pick of the Week. Indeed. So what we do on Pick of the Week is everyone chooses something that they like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, something interesting, TV show, movie, record, app, website, podcast, whatever. It doesn't have to be security related necessarily. It could be about absolutely anything at all. But my pick of the week this week is something a little bit useful. Finally. Um, <laughs> but it's not going to be useful to you if you actually use it. Oh. Um, it's going to be okay. useful to other people after you're dead. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's an unusual pick of the week. It is. Google's <laughs> inactive account manager. There are other sites which have something like this, but Google is so widely used. I thought this was a good one to highlight. Do you think they'd have a better SEO name, like Google's Death Manager or something? No one's going to Google Inactive Account Manager, will they? They don't want to talk about death, I think. That was Mm. my feeling when I was reading all about this. Jeez. But what it is, right, is at the moment, so much of your life exists on Google, maybe on Google Drive or your Google email or maybe your Google-run blogger account or, you know, whatever it is. Um, Mm. And... What are you going to do when you're no longer around? How are your loved ones going to handle it? Now, you might want all that information to be deleted once you've gone. Or you might want to hand some of it over to someone else to look after. All right? And I think it's worth us thinking about this before we do indeed, you know, kick the bucket, as it were. So yeah, me, You're not going to be thinking about it afterwards. Let me explain how it works. Exactly. You never know. <laughs> what you can do with your Google account is you can go to the inactive account manager and you can say, look... If I haven't used my account for maybe three months, six months, or maybe a year, something like that. What? A year? Yeah. What's wrong with okay. that? Well, okay, carry on. Give you, give you. Then there's, there's once a year Gmail users. Basically, <laughs> you might be in a plane, right, which crashes in the Andes, and it takes you a long time to come home. Mm-hmm. Or you might be on a rubber dinghy in the middle of the Atlantic waiting for someone to pick you up for, for months on end. Presumably, you're not giving your Google account to someone you don't like. Or maybe you've, you know, gone to prison for some sort of offence, like launching a DDoS attack or something like that. Who knows what it is, right? Mm -hmm. But anyway, the thing is that 
for Google to decide your account is inactive, you have to decide what the timeout period is, the period of inactivity okay. that must occur before it assumes you've, you've gone a clunker. So what you do in advance is you set up your trusted contacts. You tell Google, these are the people I want you to tell if I haven't been active on my account and who right. I want you to alert. And you have to give it a, a phone number as well for these people because they, they don't simply want to rely on those people's email addresses in case their email addresses are actually compromised. Mm -hmm. And you can decide which bits of the Google universe you want to share. So you might decide, well, I do want to share my contacts, but I don't want to share my email, for instance, mm -hmm. right? If only to, you know, invite people to the memorial or something like that. So you're saying to me, right, if you, if you kick the bucket, Graham, and uh, you you sign Can up. We have a moment of silence for that. <laughs> and you and you set this up, and I am down as a trusted contact. As if. So if you set it up for three months, I have to wait three months to get your contact list to invite your friends to yep. your uh, and your chess buddies and your Doctor Who buddies <laughs> to your funeral. Because I don't know and, who they are. Yeah, and also if if somebody dies, and you you have a memorial service for them and a funeral, then you mourn and things like that, and then suddenly. Six months later, you get a phone call from Google saying, oh, we think Dave might be dead. That's, you know, that's going to kind of bring up all those bad well, memories. it again. might, all right, but this is the choice of the person who's died, right? They decide whether this happens. But certainly I can imagine plenty of scenarios where people would want this information mm -hmm. to be shared mm -hmm. with oh, their right. nearest and dearest. And yes, maybe a little bit upset, but maybe after three months, you, you'd be able to cope a little bit better with it. Um, mm -hmm. And... Um, <sighs> I, I like the one the the LastPass approach. They have a similar okay. kind of emergency do? access system. So I think you you basically you set up a trusted person, and then they have to request access, and you set a timeout to say, okay, so if my wife tries to access my LastPass and, and says it's an emergency, it sends me a message, and if I don't respond within that time, it assumes that I'm dead or incapacitated or in a Turkish prison, and allows them access rather than just waiting and then suddenly starting spamming people so what do you do you on last pass say that your partner is the person who can request yeah. this so you set okay. them up as the trusted person and then right. they have to request it because i can't get in for whatever reason and then i set that the time to say okay if give give me 24 hours in case i'm not in prison oh i think i'd want a bit longer than 24 hours yeah but well yeah. you can yeah it's, it's it's quite flexible i think you can yeah yeah graham wants three want. months he's gonna be sitting on yes. ice <laughs> <laughs> while we're uh, while we're sorting I'm, out everything, I'm going to be like Walt Disney. I'm going to be cryogenically suspended. I don't know why I assume you're going to die before me. I'm sure that's not the case. Uh, I am older than you. Yeah, I know. And you're a bit fitter than me. You know? Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Carol, what's your? Oh no, John, what's your oh. pick of the week? Ah, okay. Well, so this week I have been enjoying wood quite a lot. <laughs> oh, but, uh, based after this uh, this episode, is that appropriate? What? Oh, hey, calm down. No, no, I've been enjoying woodworking out in my shed. Ah, oh. yes. So I discovered that those nice cardboard boxes that you get uh, wine shipments in with the little cardboard dividers, yes, they work very well to store your wine in a kind of vertical stacking system. Only until you take one of the lower bottles out, and then the whole thing collapses. <laughs> Cardboard's not that strong. So I thought I'll, I'll pop out into my shed and I will knock something up out of bits of wood that I have lying around. I have lots of kind of scraps and recycled, reclaimed things. I thought that'll be it. make a nice little wine rack. Ooh. So I've been tinkering away. And uh, one of the things it's reminded me of is I have a, some, some very, very lovely tools, thanks to my very, very kind in-laws. 
uh, from a, a Canadian store called Lee Valley Tools. And these guys make quite, quite beautiful, you know, they're lovingly crafted, hand, hard wearing, and very classical looking stuff. Yeah. What kind of tools do you have? Like planes, and oh, I have I have a, a lovely set of chisels. Mm-hmm. I have some Japanese pull saws, which Ooh. are very useful for kind of fine little cutting work. But yeah, but they're and they're very good looking. They don't just make that kind of kind of traditional classical stuff. They have lots of inventive gadgets and gizmos with new ideas as well. And they have kitchen things as well as kind of woodworking stuff. And they ship internationally. I know the shop being Canadian. I know it. And it is uh, it is a pretty cool... Mm-hmm. It's quite a big chain, I think. Yeah, it's quite a cool store. It's got a lot of cool stuff in it. Yes. So I, I my pick of the week is for anybody that's uh, interested in woodworking or has a, a friend that's interested in woodworking or just wants a, a stunning plane to sit on their mantelpiece as a as a decoration, <laughs> you know, pop to, pop to Lee Valley. They ship internationally. It's a great, great website. Cool. And if you can go to the actual shop, it's even nicer. <laughs> yeah, something's going on. <laughs> right, Archie, calm down. Sit down. Well, it's great to know, John, that while you're uh, whittling away in your shed, you're, you've got such fine equipment in your hands. <laughs> okay, that's a weird sentence. <laughs> that's, that's, yes. Just keeping the tone going. Yes, the theme gotta, of gotta. the show. Carol, what's your pick of the week? Well... My pick of the week is for kids. Now, Christmas is coming and, you know, we're all thinking of what to get kids in our lives. But wouldn't it be great to give them something that they love that also teaches them something super valuable? Mm-hmm. So here's a really cool gift idea for budding engineers. It's not new, but it's certainly tried and tested and great. I bought these for my niece and nephew a few years ago, and they went down a storm. And what I'm talking about is snap circuits from Elenco Electronics. These are color-coded electronic kits for kids aged eight and above. And with snap circuits, kids can build hundreds of different projects like mini motors and speakers and lamps and doorbells and burglar alarms and all sorts of stuff. And it's really, really fun. The pieces are really good quality. They have a really satisfying snap when you put them into place. Um, And it's a really great way to introduce kids to electronics. Um, And you know what? You might just learn a little bit more if you're not really au fait with the ins and outs of electricity. I, I'm looking at a video right now of some of this stuff. It looks really cool. It's great. It's really fun. And projects can some projects some can take a few hours or half an hour. So they have different um, levels. And there's if you go to the website, there's tons and tons of different snap circuit um, sections you can buy. Now, the one thing I would warn is not to buy directly from the website because they don't have HTTPS. So right. maybe go to Amazon or other trusted online retailers um, to purchase um, them. But I promise you won't be disappointed in near or, the way your kids. Or a physical shop. Or a physical shop. Mm-hmm. Physical shops? They I exist. They, yeah, but they tend to have a less of a range, and it's kind of cool. There's like, And some of them even connect with your phone, right? So you can actually test the circuitry using your iPhone or Android app. It's uh, it's pretty cool stuff. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. does look really cool. I mean, it, you know, there's like flashing bulbs yeah. and windmills going off, and it, it looks very, very much fun. Very I mean, creative. Imagine a kid could build a little burglar alarm to stop people from going into their stuff. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Cute. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very or a cool. wearable toy. John. Well, I think that is as good a time as any to wrap up the show. Um, Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at smash insecurity without a G. 
Twitter doesn't let us have the G. Um, <laughs> you can also join us on Facebook at smashingsecurity.com slash Facebook, or you can buy some swag at smashingsecurity.com slash store. Thank you very much, uh, John, for joining me and Corel Thanks for today. having me. Terrific Aww. to have you here. Keep the tone so low. We love that. <coughs> well, you know, I, I tried to fit in with the uh, yep. theme. And if you know someone who might like the Smashing Security podcast, tell them about it. And you can go to smashingsecurity.com for the past episodes and to get in touch. Until next time, cheerio. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks. Cheers. Do-do-do. Okay. There we go. Thank you, everybody. Yep. Yep. I'm going to press stop. Press stop.